have a wonderful ministry team in our church made up of pastors and just people that are part of this team that make Faith Family Church um, that are just the leadership of, of what he's brought here. And um, the Lord put it on my heart really big this year to really start pouring into them from my heart what God has deposited in me. And so, you know, we just had one of those meetings. We have dinner, um, and there's about 16 or 18 of us that come, and uh, we have dinner together, and then I'll, I, I did a teaching, um, and you could imagine. So we're talking about the heart of ministry in there. And, and the reason why I'm saying that today is because as we went through, you know, as we went through 11 pages of notes, which covered the first four verses of 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, right? Um, it, we saw something that's amazing. You know, in verse 4, there's a lot of people that are called of God, but they never move from a call of God in their heart, a desire for ministry. They never are able to move into functioning in ministry unless they understand verse 4, right? The Bible talks about how that God allowed them allowed Paul to be entrusted with the gospel. And that word allowed means he was tested, he was tried, and he was proven. You know, God will never tempt you, but God will test you, right? To be honest with you, you're always being tested. Because if somebody cuts you off on, on dodge, the word tests you, right? When somebody you know, somebody who's close to you, stings you a little bit you're tested right every time you have it kind of in your heart to forgive or to sow into a person's life or do something you're always tested well here's a big part that moves a person from the call into ministry to functioning most never get to function in their actual place and gifting because they're not faithful they, they're, they're just, they want ministry, but they want it within that little box. I've got to be real comfortable. It can't be, you know, and um, anything that God calls you to do is not going to be real comfortable for your flesh. It will be very comfortable for your spirit. But the one thing that we saw in these four verses, and we're going to continue on all year in this, what we saw is everything is about relationship. What makes our church special is really, you know, it, it's really not the word of God and the spirit of God moving and all that. That should be in every church. Now, it's not right now, but I believe that's going to change. I believe that churches that refuse to embrace the word and preach it under the anointing in the love of God, they're going to be preaching to a bunch of empty seats because people are going to leave. And they're going to go looking for places where they could hear the word. So, but that's a given. But there, it, there has to be an environment of relationship, right? The heart of ministry is, is relationship. All ministry flows out of relationship. So I want to encourage you, as we're getting in this series, healing, to walk free from sickness and disease and pain. It's all about relationship. Why has God done this for mankind? Why has he provided healing? Why has he provided everything?
because of his great love for mankind. And, and see, if you, don't, if you don't understand that God's motive with everything is that you and I have intimate relationship with him, then none of this will make sense. If you talk to somebody that will go, you know, Pastor, I mean, this is a pretty radical series, isn't it? We are saying that God's will, he has provided healing, freedom from sickness, disease, and pain for everyone. We're saying that he did that because in the body of Jesus on that cross was the root and judgment and cause and all the sickness and all disease that would hit every human being in all human history. It's already been paid for. Isn't that amazing? And we see it's just like going to heaven. God's will is that everybody be saved. The Bible says that, doesn't it? Do you know that word saved means healed? Do you know that word saved means freedom? Freedom from poverty and lack. It means wholeness. It's an all-inclusive word. It means safety. Man, you know what? In 2023, you're safe. Because the angel of the Lord encamps around about those, what? That fear him, that reverence, honor, and respect him above everyone else in life. Do you know you have angels that are assigned to you, but they can only move, they only hearken to the word of God. So if you're not speaking the word of God, it has nothing for them to hearken to. If you're not walking in an intimate relationship where you're reverencing, honoring, and respect God above all else in life, they are hindered in keeping you safe. They're hindered in everything. But boy, you could change that today. See, if this, is, if this table represents your life, this has to be your relationship with God. This is where most people are. Right? And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You don't hear anything. You don't really see anything. Your flesh rules you. You live in darkness even though you've been taken out of darkness. Right? So this is why as we get into this, do you know in all the years that I have been teaching the word of God on healing, do you know in every situation, anywhere from just a, a person who has heard it to a seminary professor to pastors, every time that they struggle with healing, this is what they always say. It's never, well, wait a minute, pastor. I just don't think that's true because the word says this and the word says that, and I've never heard that. It's always this. Well, that's a pretty controversial subject. I just don't, you know, I don't really believe that. And I'm like, well, why? Well, because, you know, my grandmother loved God with all of her heart. And she died early of sickness and disease. And, and my brother, and, or I lost this. And it's always a circumstance. It's never the word. Right? Now, this is not going to happen. For sure, guaranteed, this will not happen. I'm not going home early. But if I died of sickness and disease, if I fell dead in this service of a massive heart attack, which will not happen, Satan's going, oh, what? No, can't do it, sorry. Right? So 
if that were to happen, that would not change. It would not change anything. You'd just be like, wow, okay, pastor got his glorified body. Right now he's kind of ticked a little bit because he went home early because he missed it. It wouldn't be because God's word is not true. Anytime you're struggling with what God's word says, it's a result of you looking at the word of God through the eyes of your flesh. You're, you're, you're looking at it and you're like, man, it just doesn't make any sense. I know God's word says this, but I see no way in the natural for that to happen, right? But when you walk by faith, you start to really love being out of the boat. When you look at something and you see God's word says it's yours and you see no way for it to come to pass, you're like, cool, this is going to be fun, right? And those people around you that think you're one of those radical, crazy freaks, Jesus freaks, yes, thank you, you just gave me the highest compliment. Yeah, I'm all in, right? Well, just hide and watch, just tell them, hide and watch, it's okay. I know you think I'm crazy now. But just wait, because you're going to look at my life and go, wow, how, how did that happen? I'm, I'm going to be like, God, right? And what he did for me, he'll do for you. So this is the whole thing is based on relationship, okay? So now let's go to Galatians. Let's talk about this. We started last week talking about how healing is in the atonement. We're going to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 6. Healing is in the atonement, we said. And this is, this is part two of that. We're going to go into some more. Last week, we went into a bunch of Old Testament stories that point to healing being in the atonement. What do I mean by that? Every year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, they would slay a lamb, right, it, was, it says it right in there, either a lamb of a goat or a sheep, they would slay it, it had to be spotless, and then they would take the blood, and the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and there was an Ark of the Covenant, and he would sprinkle the blood of this animal on that Ark, and what that would do is it would cover and seal the sins of Israel for a year, Okay? But what happened with Jesus, see, remember when John, when he was baptized, when Jesus was coming to be baptized, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, he didn't say who seals the sins of mankind, he says who takes away the sins of the whole world. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb. He literally uncloaked himself with all of his godly powers, and he took upon himself flesh and he lived and dwelt among us, and he was an innocent sin sacrifice. And on that cross, he shed all his blood for everything, for salvation. And healing is just as much of the atonement as poverty and lack, as spiritual death and sin. It's all-inclusive. When you see this, it always includes all of it. It never just includes part of it. It never just says, yep, we're redeemed from spiritual death. We're redeemed from sin. Nope, it always puts right in these scriptures healing. It always puts in freedom from poverty and lack. It's just as much. So Jesus shed his blood 
He took his blood as when he was resurrected on that third day, he took his blood, the Bible says, into the tabernacle that is in heaven that was not made by hands. Well, who made it? Jesus made it. He's the creator of all things. How did he make it? With his words, like he makes everything else, right? And he made that. There's an ark of the covenant in heaven, and there is a mercy seat on it. And right now, if you were to look at it, guess what you would see? You'd see the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus ever speaks that you and I are redeemed from the whole curse of the law. We're redeemed from spiritual death. We're redeemed from sickness, disease, and pain. We are redeemed from poverty and lack, right? It speaks today. That's atonement. So let's look at Galatians chapter 3. Let's, we're going to go into more examples. If you weren't here last week or if you just heard it last week and you didn't go back and listen to it again, go back and listen to that message again. It'll help you, all right? Because it's not just enough for you to get this. And the way the Lord put it to me is, you know, we may have a service where we lay hands on people as the Holy Spirit directs. Is there a healing anointing here right now? Oh my gosh, every time I get up, I could preach on whatever, and, and there's always a healing anointing, right? I mean, I feel like a, there's a blast furnace on the inside of me right now. But we don't just lay hands on people unless the Lord says it. But you can lay hold of your healing right now. You could just be hearing the word of God and just go, yeah, that's mine. Father, right now, I just believe that I receive healing in this part of my body, whatever. You could receive it right now. God will heal you right in your chair without ever having anybody lay hands on you. You are a believer. Amen? So let's look at this. Galatians chapter 3. All right, let me breathe, Tony. I am so excited about this. Wow. Look at what it says. Even as Abraham believed God... And it was accounted to him for righteousness. So here's Abraham. He's an idol worshiper. God meets him and says, hey, follow me, Abraham, and follow me to the place I call you to. I'll make you rich. And he ended up cutting covenant with this man. Not born again, right? But the Bible says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, he wasn't made righteous, but it was accounted to him for righteous. He was a type. He was our example. How was he accounted for righteousness? He believed God through faith. Right? Verse 7, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the only ones on the planet that are of faith, are born-again believers, people who have received Christ. The same are the children of Abraham. See, the Jews, a physical Jew, will think, right? They'll think they're a child of Abraham, but they're not a child, okay? Somebody's playing video games. It's all right. Don't let that distract you. The Jews are not children of Abraham. Those that be of faith are children of Abraham. So you're a child of Abraham. Okay, verse 8 now, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Isn't that amazing? The scripture foresaw this. In other words, 
This was preached all throughout the Old Testament, that the God of heaven would justify the heathen, right? I'm so thankful I'm not a heathen, but I was one, but that one died. That guy died, right? So now I'm not a heathen anymore. I'm not new and improved. I used to be, and that man's gone, okay? And scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. The word justify means declare righteous. God God said, I will declare people righteous. Guess what? When God speaks over you and says, guess what, Pastor Mark, I declare you righteous. He's not cloaked in righteousness. He's made righteous. But he can only declare that as you believe him through faith. It all comes through faith, right? Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee all the nations shall be blessed. All the nations, every Gentile nation, every heathen on the planet for all time will be justified, declared righteous through faith. That was the gospel that the God, God of Abraham, the, our father, preached to him. Isn't that amazing? Verse 9, or it says, or I'm sorry, verse 9 says this. So then, because of what he just said in those three verses, so then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. You're blessed with him. Do you know the first manifestation of the blessing of Abraham? is the blessing of Abraham made him rich. Brought him into a full and overflowing supply. That's the, that was like the first thing that happened to him. Even so much so, when Isaac went to find his wife, or I'm sorry, when their servant went to find Isaac a wife, right? That when he found the young lady and met her parents, he talked about his master. He said, Abraham, yeah, who God has made rich, Right? When Abraham took his servants and went and conquered a couple kings and got his family back, these kings, the king of Sodom comes to him and goes, hey, let me give you some stuff. And he's like, oh, no. Nope, I don't want anything from you. I don't want anybody to say that they made Abraham rich because God made me rich. Right? That the Bible says that you are blessed with him. Wow, that's, that's big, isn't it? Do you know Abraham, we talk about Isaac, he had Isaac when he was 100 years old, Sarah was 90. Do you know after Sarah went out and lived out her days, do you know he had more children? This guy was having kids to like 120 years old. That's not bad for someone's body who's dead. Do you know there's, area, there's things in Abraham's life, if you study it, there's healing that took place. Just because he was accounted for righteousness, God justified him through faith. So, you know you are blessed because the money came in or because your body changed. No, you know you are blessed because of faith. If you are of faith, 
you are blessed. So how many people have actually prayed? Now, all you quiet people, I still want you to get out of your comfort zone and raise your hand if you're saved. Because we might have an altar call if, you're, if you don't raise your hand. No, I'm just <laughs> so how many, how many have accepted Christ in this place? So, so if you're raising your hand right now, guess what? That means you're of faith. So that means right now you're blessed. Oh, your circumstances might not say you're blessed, but it doesn't matter. Because the blessing on you will change the circumstance. He will make you the head and not the tail. You're not to make yourself the head and not the tail. Now, you work hard as unto the Lord. But see, you work hard as unto the Lord. What does that mean? You always put him first. He's first in everything. You want to pursue and become all in your career that you can be? Well, don't do it according to your ability. God wants you to hook up with him and let him make you the head. That means you have no competition. Do you know because of that he'll open a door that no man can shut? Shut a door that no man opens. Do you know that because of who you are now, the Bible says no man will be able to stand and block you from doing what I've called you to do in life. Isn't, uh, these are amazing things. Because you've been made righteous, he'll always cause you to triumph. He'll always give you the victory. Why? Because all of the promises in him are yes and in him, amen. God doesn't say no to you. And I love the song. Do you know the Bible says very clearly, he will not fail. He will not forsake you. He'll never abandon you and desert you. His power will never wane. And here's the thing. Ephesians tells us that as we get the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him so that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened, we understand not only the plan of God for our life, we see it, but we also know the incredible power that is pointed at us and in our life to those that believe. Do you realize you have all the power of heaven literally pointed at you, but you will not even be aware of it unless you walk with him? Because the minute, see, it's, it's kind of like, have you ever, have you ever seen the, the lights that they used to have? You clap and it turns on, right? They're like voice activated. Have you ever seen anything voice activated, right? Siri or what is, Siri? She's not real smart, but that's Okay. But, right, I mean, you ask Siri, okay, where's the closest pizza place? And she's like, you could buy a wrench at Home Depot, and you're like, wow, <laughs> right? No, no, but see, all of the power of God is voice activated. It's voice activated. So right now, there's power. How much power? How powerful is God? But it's voice activated. You must believe it in your heart and speak it with your mouth, and then God, he comes on the scene, right? So you're blessed because you are a faith. Faith accepts what God says no matter what it looks like or what it feels like. If God said it, then it is true. It is my truth. I will never, ever move from that. I don't care if it looks like it's getting worse. No, 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 I am firmly persuaded that he will never lie. That if he said it, he will perform it in my life. 
If God says you are blessed, this is so deep, then you are blessed. Whether you want to know it or not, but if you'll press into him and put him first, you will know it, right? Verse 10, you guys ready for verse 10? It says, for as many as are of the works of the law, trying to work for something, they are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. That's a nightmare that that was written. Aren't you glad that the law was fulfilled in Jesus? So now you don't have to do all these laws and precepts. And I mean, think about that. The Bible said if a person messed up in one thing, they're guilty of all of it. In other words, the law was given to show man they could never, never measure up to be blessed by God. They could never do it. It was meant to show them that they needed Jesus. They needed a Savior. Well, Jesus comes, he fulfills all the law. Now I get all of it by simply believing. Isn't that amazing? See, you got to understand about this whole thing about the curse. If you don't do everything that's written in it, then the curse is going to get you. Right? Wow, does that mean, Pastor, if I don't tithe, if I don't walk in love, that I'm going to be cursed? Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you the question. Are you saved? Have you accepted Christ? Okay. So the Bible says if you're saved, we're going to see it here in a little bit, you've been redeemed from the curse. So that means you've been purchased out from under the curse and you've been put into the kingdom of God. So the answer to that question is no. You won't be cursed. Praise God, I no longer have to tithe. Wow, that's 10%. I no longer have to forgive. Well, see, you've been given everything. You've already been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. But if you are not a doer of the word, the Bible says you can't receive any of it from God because you have to lay hold of it and you can't. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you, you can't even receive forgiveness. Right? Now, are you still born again? Yeah. Yeah. But your fellowship with God is hindered. Right? If you don't honor God in your finances, you won't be able to lay hold of the prosperity that God has for you. Gosh darn it, Pastor, why do you say that stuff? That makes people mad and they leave the church. But when you love God, it doesn't, it just is like, ah. Have you ever, have you ever just going, I just, I, you cry before God. Oh God, I'm so sorry. And what you're really doing is you're like, this is not repentance, it's remorse. I'm, I'm going to do it, and I know I can't do it, and it, it just it makes me yucky inside, but I'm still going to do it. No, you can just, listen, you got to understand when you're in that position, God's right there going, okay, calm down, look at my face, 
I will energize you to want to do it. And then I'll empower you to do it. I'll actually take you by the hand. You can walk free from anything. And I won't ever get mad at you. Right? I already got mad at somebody. Who did he get mad at? Jesus. The Bible says it brought God, it, it's, it brought him, it was, it was his pleasure to bruise his son. He literally took the weight and judgment of all sin, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, the whole weight of the curse of the law. He picked it up and he struck and bruised Jesus on that cross and deserted him for three hours as he paid the price for you and I. So he'll never do that with you because it's all paid for. Boy, that's not preached, is it? Because that doesn't sound... See, that if religion is over here, that's way over here. Because what does religion say? This is what you need to do. But when you walk with Jesus and you realize I've been made righteous, I don't do anything because I have to now. I do it because I want to. And I trust him. I mean, I want to live a life pleasing to him, but I know in my own strength, I'm, see, I'm not made. Even as a born-again believer, I am not made to do anything alone. Nothing for myself, nothing by myself. I do everything with him. Isn't that good news? So for me, what burns in my heart is that Christians would meet themselves and would meet the God who loves them. Okay, so let's look at this. Let me read this again. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. You are not under the curse today. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. In other words, God's saying it's totally evident that no man will ever be justified by keeping the law. Why? For the just shall live by faith. Why? Because we, we receive everything from God through faith. So there's two things spoken, right? There's two things spoken here. Now look at verse 12. And the law is not of faith. The just shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So, there's two people spoken of here. Number one, it's a person who's trying to be right in the sight of God by what they do. Okay? The second man is one who is being right in the sight of God by what Jesus has done. Right? Father, today, man, I messed up, and I'm coming boldly to your throne of grace. What? You messed up and you're coming boldly? Yeah, but Father, I'm not coming in my own boldness here because of me. I'm coming boldly because of what Jesus did for me. See, now my whole life is not based on my behavior. It's based on Jesus' behavior. There's a lot of Christians that are living their life based on their behavior. And that's why their behavior is giving them a big problem. But when you start living your life based on Jesus' behavior, all of a sudden you get revelation knowledge that you've been made righteous 
And as you learn and know who you are, now you'll walk holy before him. It will empower you to do it. You won't want to do certain things because, man, that's way below what God has called me to. Right? As one person said to me, right, Courtney, the world's crazy. Wouldn't have said that a few years ago. Right? You'd been like, well, this is all I know. This is awesome. I'm unhappy, but this is awesome. That's where most people are living. Don't tell me about Jesus. I'm good. Oh, no, you're not. Right? You're on antidepressant medication. You see therapists. You're a mess. You have no control of your life. You're not happy. But they'll never tell you that. Right? But until you get to know them. And that's why God has placed his love in your heart. So that you could love people unconditionally and build a bridge of a relationship with them to where they can open up to you. Right? Because most people, when they open up, they're like, wow. My life is a disaster, and I, I, I don't know how to change it. And then we give them the gospel. Here's the good news. You don't have to change. Don't even think about that. Throw that out. You just come to Jesus, and you receive his love. You come to him as you are, and he makes you like he is. Right? How does he do that? Man, it's just glorious, and it looks different for all of us. Yeah, but you Christians judge. Yeah, every Christian... Everyone in this place you, and everyone online, if you're a Christian, you need to judge someone. Someone, one. And if you want to know what that person looks like, go look in the mirror. It's the only one you judge. Parents don't judge your kids. Kids don't judge your parents. Don't judge your friends. Don't judge your fellow Christians. Even if you see somebody doing something that's just whacked, right? If the Lord has you go to them, he'll have you go to them in the spirit of humility for the purpose of restoring them. And the Bible says, lest you be tempted in the same way. The only reason why we are free is because of him, not because of me. Amen? Wow, that rhyme, that might have been prophetic. Isn't that funny? My goodness, we think God is so limited in the prophetic realm that it has to rhyme for it to be him. Are you kidding me? If God showed up and he said, two plus two is four, we'd all fall out for like three days, <laughs> right? God, and why am I saying this? God does not owe anyone a healing based on their behavior. He doesn't. But based on what Jesus has done, healing is owed to all of us. Based on your behavior, God doesn't owe you anything. Based on Jesus' behavior, he owes you healing. And that's why he gave it to you. It's paid for. He gave it to you. Get it? Pa Pastor, that's strong. Yeah, that's really strong. That is strong. There is no, there's zero gray area. Have you suffered a hit in your life where you were hurt or you were put in a situation that stole from you? restoration you don't deserve it because of your behavior but you have been given it and are owed it by god because of jesus's behavior he will restore and redeem your life he will come in and give you the desires of your heart no matter what happened to you in your past it didn't catch god off guard and if you were hurt it wasn't him 
The enemy is out there, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But anything he's stolen from you, listen, when God heals, he removes the scar. And God will restore your life. Because of Jesus' behavior, it is yours. He owes that to you. Wow. That is good preaching. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse... For it is written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things that are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So now let's look at an example in the New Testament. In the ministry of Jesus, there was a woman that had a spirit of infirmity that was healed. And I want you to see how she received her healing. So go to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. I hope this is thrilling you today. Because God isn't mad at you. God wants to work in your life. Actually, God has already worked in your life. We sing about him being, right, a good, good father. He's so good, everything you'll ever ask him for, he's already provided. Everything. He provided it before you ever accepted him. He had a plan for your life. The thoughts, the plans and the purposes Jeremiah says that he has for you outnumber the sand that is on the seashore. Why is that? Well, I, there's no way that could be true because I only live on this earth, right? I mean, somebody maxes out at 120 years. Most people, I think the average age of death now is like it's dropping into the 70s. No, 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 he's not talking, he's talking about your life. If you're a Christian, you're going to live forever. And when we get to heaven, listen, you're not going to just be given like a little harp and, and, and a little cloud and you're going to float around. No, you're not going to look fat like a little baby. You're going to be jacked. I mean, your body's going to be great. Everybody will have a six pack. Nobody will be able to brag about that. Joe Morris's wife said, you know, it's just such a bummer Man, when I get the body that I want, and I, now I can, man, I can show that off, and I'm going to wear a robe. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I've only seen angels one time. And I mean, I saw angels like I'm seeing you guys. Just one time. These guys were so big and jacked, you could see muscles underneath the robe. They all had robes, <laughs> but you wouldn't want to mess with any of them. I remember seeing one sit. And his shoulders were about as wide as three people. And he's just standing there, sitting there smiling at me. He'd come over, he'd come over, I'd be preaching, and he'd just lay hands on somebody. Right? It was just really cool. All I really remember about him is they just smiled all the time. And then all of a sudden I noticed they were gone. And I said within myself while I was preaching, oh, they're gone. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, oh, they're, they're not gone. They're here right now right? You, you have angels. They're here to minister for you as an heir of salvation. So keep them busy. You need to keep them busy, right? They'll go get money for you. They'll, they'll, they'll do big things for you, right? But they only hearken to the voice of God. So you got to speak his word. Luke chapter 13. Let's look at this. Verse 10. Have you found it yet? Luke 13, 10. It says, and he was teaching, talking about Jesus, in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Here we go. Jesus, why? Has to be on the Sabbath, right? 
There was a reason for that, but we won't teach that today. It says, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Here was her symptoms that you could see. She was bowed together and could not lift herself up. Wow. So, Pastor Edwin, can I use you to do, I think you've been the, the, this person before. So for 18 years, how would you like to live like this? So what is bowed together? That's as good as she can do, yeah. So could you imagine 18 years? And she still went to church. Wow, thank you. Could you imagine? He's like, oh, praise God. Yeah. I knew he could do it. That's how come I said that. Some, some guys, you know, I mean, but he, when he runs, he doesn't, which I still can't fathom this. When he, how, much, how far are you running today? Oh, I'm only running nine miles. You're doing what? Right? So she was, she was bowed over for 18 years. And she was, at, she was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, like she was in the synagogue every Sabbath day for 18 years. So this rabbi would have seen this woman every Sabbath, and it was probably in a smaller community, so he probably saw her during the week. How, how often he would have seen her. The people in, in, in the synagogue would have seen her. They would have known this woman, right? She couldn't lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Come on, Jesus. The ladies bowed over. Why don't you go to her? No, no, it's really important. Because he, what did Jesus always do? He's trying to, see, he's trying to get her to receive something. Okay? Well, if, how many are sitting here? Well, if God wanted me healed, I'd be healed. You know, I prayed, Father, heal me if it's your will. And if, I, if, if he wanted me healed, I'd be healed. Maybe this is just my cross. Time out. There is no scriptures that you're reading right now. So everything you're saying is crazy. Does that make sense? And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, look at this. Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Wow, that's interesting. Could you imagine? People are like, what, what did he just say? Because the lady is bowed over. And he's saying, you're loosed. This word loosed, it literally means to loose. But the main meaning of this word is to redeem. So this Old Testament, this was before Jesus went to the cross. He said, woman, you're redeemed from your infirmity. This is the Greek word asthenia. It means you're redeemed from your weakness, your sickness, your disease. You're loosed from it. In other words, woman, you are redeemed. You are redeemed. Well, Jesus, you haven't gone to the cross yet. No, 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 no. She's a child of Abraham. Old Testament child of Abraham, she was a Jew. New Testament, not anymore. Not when Jesus went to the cross, now we are. But she had a legal right to be loosed from what had her bound. 
And he laid his hand on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. People say, well, you know, God just, God's put this sickness on me or allowed it, it just to bring him glory. Well, nowhere in Jesus' ministry did you see sick people glorifying God until after they were healed, right? Verse 14, now look at this clueless person. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. In other words, he answered Jesus. He was very upset. Are you kidding me? You know this woman. You probably visited this woman. And yet when she gets healed, you are still upset because it's the Sabbath? Because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, look at this, there are six days in which men ought to work, in them therefore come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, this is Jesus, Mr. Love, you hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead them away to water them? The answer to that would have been, yeah, all of them do. And he says in verse 16, and ought, not this woman. And this word ought in the Greek was, it literally should not this woman. You could even translate it, and it is necessary that this woman, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Notice they rejoiced by all the glorious things. So guess what? In this church service, she was the first one that got healed. Man, I'm telling you, I bet everybody who was sick going, hey, Jesus, lay hands on me. I believe you. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a son of Abraham. I'm a daughter of Abraham, right? We had a healing meeting. That rabbi lost it. But even though he was a hypocrite, have you ever been a hypocrite? Don't answer that. So we've all been, we'll just say it this way. We've all been hypocrites, right? We say one thing, but we mean something else, or we don't, we, we don't do it, right? He had an opportunity to no longer be a hypocrite. Hopefully, he, hopefully we'll see him one day. He's in heaven going, yeah, I received Christ. Man, I was an idiot back then. But hey, it, I'll, the thing I'll say to him is like, hey, isn't it awesome? It's not how you start the race. It's how you finish it, <laughs> right? Now let's look at Galatians 3.13. You know, now let's go back. So we've, we've started in verse 6 of Galatians. We've said all this stuff about the justified ones that were justified by faith. We are the children of Abraham. We are blessed with Abraham. Now we're going to know why. Verse 13, Galatians chapter 3. Christ hath, past tense, when? On the cross, redeemed us from the curse of the law. Say this with me. Christ hath, 
redeemed me from the curse of the law. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. So the word redeemed means he paid a ransom. What was it? It was his blood. He, he pay, a ransom was paid for you so that you could be taken out from under the curse of the law, out from under the delegated influence of darkness, Colossians says, and that you are placed in the kingdom of God now. That's what happened to you. You were redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law. It was the curse that came upon man as a result of man breaking God's law. Jesus redeemed us from the curse that came on man when he disobeyed God's commands. And this includes spiritual death. It includes sin, sickness, disease, pain, poverty, and lack. Wow. How did he redeem us? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. So in other words, now he's quoting Deuteronomy 21, 23 there. So that tells me that Jesus was made a curse where? On the cross. Right? And he was made a curse. If you study that word made, he was made to bear that curse in his body on the tree, on the cross. Right? And it says here, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And then now, if you go into verse 14, it says, so that the blessing of Abraham would be able to come on the Gentiles through him and that we could receive the promise of the Spirit, get saved, right? But if you go to verse 29, solidifies that this is talking about you and I. It says, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. Now, this scripture in Galatians was written to Gentiles. The curse came from the Mosaic Covenant, right? There were really two major categories, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, that was listed in the curse. Spiritual death was the foundation of all of it. And the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, it lists the curse of the law in Deuteronomy 28, it lists it. From about verse 15 through verse 68, it lists all the curse of the law. So let's, I'm going to go back, I'm going to read a couple verses to you. Deuteronomy chapter 28, go there, and I'll tell you what verse here, let me look. Deuteronomy 28. Now what we're talking about now, there's a lot of scriptures on poverty and lack, but we're just going to specify and look at the ones on sickness and disease. Deuteronomy 28. I'll, I'll start in verse 15. It says, But it shall come to pass, if you will not hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe to do all his commandments and all his statutes, which I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Verse 21, the Lord shall make the pestilence. That would be a plague. You could get, we get our word virus from this. So we're talking about viruses. Have we dealt with any viruses on, on the earth? 
okay? It says the Lord shall make, this is part of the curse of the law. Viruses are a part of the curse of the law. Cleave unto thee until he has consumed, wow, until he. Isn't that interesting? It talks about a virus like it's first person. Well, it is. It's from the enemy. Until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither you go to possess it. Now, we got to read this correctly because this word make, the Lord shall make, that word is in the permissive tense in the Greek. So it should read like this, and the Lord shall allow or permit the pestilence or the viruses to cleave to you. He'll allow it. In the Old Testament, the Bible said the curse, causeless or without cause, it won't come. It always has a cause. In other words, the whole Old Testament is about God. When the children of Israel would, would obey God, he was able in covenant to cover them and keep all this stuff from them. But if they chose, and he would, he would just over and over, don't do what I said, don't go after other gods, don't do this. But if they got out from underneath that, he eventually is the righteous God of all the earth. He would have to render judgment, which allowed the enemy access. And then all of a sudden, people are dying. They're going into captivity. And then when they cried out to the Lord, he would come right back and protect them and everything. And then they'd start going their own way again. We understand this as a New Testament believer because we've done this, but we don't ever have to, right? Verse 22, and the Lord shall smite. The verb tense, the Lord shall allow to be smitten, allow you to be smitten with a consumption, with a fever, with inflammation, and with extreme burning, and with the sword. We won't go into what all these mean. We don't have time. And with blasting, and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until you perish. You've been redeemed from that you're redeemed from inflammation. So there's a non-inflammatory diet. I'll be a nutritionist today. <laughs> Believe this in your heart and speak this out of your mouth. You start quoting these scriptures and the Lord will start dealing with you with your diet. And your flesh will go, I don't, I don't, I want Big Macs. <laughs> right? Verse 20, amen, there we go. Honesty, an honest person, there we go. Yeah. Verse 27, look at this one. The Lord will smite, or the Lord will allow you to be smitten with the botch of Egypt. Now, I'm not even going to describe that because you don't want it. And with the emeralds. I bet you could guess what that is. Hemorrhoids. And with the scab... And with the itch, you don't even have to know what that is, itch. You know, you, know, you don't want it, right? And it says here, whereof thou cannot be healed. And the Lord shall smite or allow you to be smitten with madness, with blindness, with astonishment of heart. So now we've got fear, anxiety, depression, terror. You've been redeemed from all that. In other words, guys... If that's in your life today, it has no legal right. And stop trying to get it out of your life based on your behavior. Start getting it out of your life based on the behavior of Jesus. He bore it, right? Wow, I love that. Verse 35, 
and the Lord will smite or allow or permit you to be smitten in the knees. Has anybody ever had knee problems? In the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. This is not my opinion. Isn't that amazing? Now go all the way down to verse 59. And the Lord will make or allow or permit your plagues to be wonderful. That means that in the Hebrew language, to be great. And the plagues of your seed, even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sicknesses and of long continuance, as if we didn't get it the first time, right? Moreover, he will bring, allow to be brought upon you all the diseases of Egypt, which you were afraid of, and they will cleave to you. Wow. Verse 61, this is good news for us, because now we come all the way to 2023, also, every sickness and every plague, every virus, which is not written in the book of the law, then will the Lord allow to be brought upon you until you have been destroyed. Wow. You've been redeemed from all of this. If you look at verse 68, and the Lord shall bring you into Egypt again with ships by the way whereof I spoke unto you. You shall see it no more again, and there, shall be, there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and for bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. Wow. Or I'm sorry, and no man shall buy is in the literal. In other words, the curse of the law involves you being sold. Do you know what Paul described this earth as? A satanic, the Greek word literally means a satanic slave market. And if you look in verse, if you look in 2023, people are sold into from one bondage to another bondage to another bondage to another. It's a satanic slave market, and God has redeemed us from all of it. So see, we have to learn how to walk in this, right? And then we have to learn how to help others get out of this but we can't take people that we haven't been now does that mean you have to your healing has to manifest no once you learn how to believe to receive your healing you 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 have it right right now as you're sitting here the holy spirit it says in romans 8 11 if you'll believe it it'll turn it up that the holy spirit with the same power that he raised jesus from the dead with is right now quickening your mortal body by his spirit which is in you. Quickening. That's a great word for us. It means to heal, to make whole, and to restore to health. Isn't that good news? We need that. So in other words, you and I, according to God's word, are redeemed from the entire curse of the law, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that good news? How? Through his atonement. This covenant 
does not belong to the Jews. It belongs to the church. We are the children of Abraham now. To be honest with you, we are the true Jews in the earth. If you ever want to upset somebody, go to Israel. And if you see a little guy with tassels and black, and you'll see him. He'll run you over if you're in his way. But if it's an Orthodox Jew, man, he will get mad at you for saying that. So don't say that to them. Okay? Because there is no open door of utterance with that. You just pray for them. Right? Pray that they get saved before the tribulation. We are redeemed again from the entire curse of the law, body, soul, and spirit, solely through the, his atonement. Since disease is part of the curse, we are redeemed from physical sickness and disease and pain. So right now as you are sitting there, God's word is saying to you that if there's anything in your body if your knee's not working right, if your hips are not working right, if you have bulging discs or arthritis or any, if your pancreas is not working right, if your kidneys or liver's not working right, if your heart's not working right, if you fried your brain with drugs, it doesn't matter. It has no legal right in you anymore because Christ bore it. Isn't that good news? In other words, why should not the last Adam whose name is Jesus Christ, take away all that the first Adam brought upon us? The answer to that is, it's true. Amen? Oh, man, I'll tell you, I really want to get into Isaiah 53. But if I do that, yikes. We're going to wait and probably till next week to do that. I think you guys have done, you guys have had enough of this for today. What I mean by that is you heard enough that this will keep you busy for a whole week meditating on this. I want to encourage you. This is something that you should get in your vocabulary. Whatever, let's say you're dealing with knee problems, hip problems. Let's say you're dealing with arthritis. Father, I declare that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. According to Deuteronomy chapter 28, the curse of the law includes, includes in it knee problems and arthritis. So Father, I declare today, as your word declares, I am redeemed from arthritis. I am redeemed from knee problems. Whatever it is, verse 61 is wonderful in Deuteronomy 28 because it includes everything. Everything. It's all inclusive. God wants you free. Guys, for us to do what God has called us to do on the earth, because a lot of people don't preach this, right? A lot of people don't preach this this strong. And I could tell you this is the weakest we will ever preach it. Because we'll get more revelation and we'll preach it stronger. This world is ripe for a healing revival. God wants you healed. He wants that to be part of your testimony. He'll help you lay hold of it. Don't worry about time. Don't get in this, should I take medicine? Should I not? Should I have a surgical procedure? Listen, doctors, thank God for them. They work with, they work with God, right? I mean, go to Dr. Kirshner's practice. 
all over the walls. There's scriptures all over the walls. I love when you go into his practice and you're at the door to check in. Right there is a picture of Jesus pulling Peter out of the water, which what a great picture that is because have you ever been sick? You feel like you're drowning, like there's no way out. Well, Jesus is there to pull you out. So thank God for that. Remember, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Man, I'll tell you, a message like this, because it's full of the word, will get better every time you listen to it. Amen?